0: To take your Bibles as we close this service with just a few minutes of preaching tonight. And again, I was uh, I, I was long last last Sunday night, uh, and so I'll I will uh, I'll purposely keep it brief tonight, unless unless the Lord says do something else. But uh, just simple simple, First Corinthians chapter thirteen. And so this week, the Lord really, you know, I don't know this this week was was different, and. I pray usually just this is just my custom. Usually on Sunday night, I have a little place where I go after everything's all said and done. I usually go to a little place, I usually stop and bow and just thank the Lord for the great day. And thank the Lord for all that he does. Thank the Lord for truth. And then I start praying on Sunday night for truth for the next week. And then I start and then all throughout the week I'm praying and seeking the Lord's will. And this week, my heart was just—my heart was so burdened, my heart was so heavy, and uh, I just felt like I felt like in my spirit, I just felt like what we need right now in our church. I felt like we need something on the home. And so, I think it was Thursday. Uh, some of the events team had come out to decorate for the ladies' meeting on Friday. My wife came out decorate as well, and. And I knew, you know, they'd probably be here till late, late. And so, anyway, I got in the office that morning uh, after we did a few things. Got in the office that morning about 10 o'clock. And then I came out of the office that night about 10.30. And, uh, and all day long just trying to walk with the Lord and just seek the Lord's will. And God, began to, God really began to challenge my heart concerning, concerning this thing about the home. And so I want to start on that tonight, and then if if the Lord wills it, then we'll take a few weeks, and we'll just, we'll build on this a few weeks. And so 1 Corinthians, did I say second? I meant first. If I said second, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and uh, when you find your place, if you'll stand tonight, we're going to read the exact same story we read last Sunday night, except last Sunday night we were using the book of Samuel. Tonight we're going to be using the book of Chronicles. And so 1 Chronicles chapter 13, and look, if you will, at verse number 1. And again, we're going to read a little scripture this morning, just like we did uh, uh, tonight, just like we did this morning. But I want you to get the, the you know, the context here. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. And David, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. 1st I'm sorry. We're going to get it in the right gear here in just a minute. So like I said, 1st Hezekiah, 1st Hezekiah, uh, 1st Chronicles 13 in your Bibles, 1st Chronicles 13, we're going to get it there, 1st Chronicles 13, I'm going to tell y'all something, this is not as easy as it looks. Am I telling the truth, brother? First Chronicles 13. And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds. And with every leader, and David said unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren every, everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and Levites, which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shihor of Egypt, even unto the entering of Hamath, to bring the ark of God from Kirthjath-Jerim. And David went up, and all Israel to Bala, that is to Curth Jathjerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God the Lord that dwelleth between the cherubims, whose name is called on it. And I'll explain some of that in a moment. Verse 7 And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and Ahio drave the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might, and with singing, and with harps, and with psalteries, and with timbrels. And with cymbals and with trumpets. And when they came under the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and wherefore that place is called Perez-Uzzah to this day, I've got verse 12 and 13, I've got those blew up. And I've got them underlined, I've got got it highlighted. Verse 12, and David was afraid of God that day saying, and notice this phrase, how shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David, verse 13, wow, very sad words. So David brought not the ark home. To himself, to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of obed the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of obed in his house three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. You may be seated uh, this, this evening. And so, Thursday, I just started going through the Word of God and just looking at every place the Bible mentions the home. And God began, to, God began to speak to my heart. And that's sort of where this series, Home Sweet Home, came from. And, uh, and so I don't have the, the title. Uh, I've, I've got the title of the series. I don't have the title of the, of the message on the screen tonight. But if I had a title for the message, it would be the priority, the priority uh, of the home, the priority of the home. And so, again, it's a 714. And so we're going to mark the clock here. But let's teach or preach just a few minutes, and we'll let you go to the house. Father, we love you, and thank you for the privilege to be back at Calvary tonight. It's been a good service, good day, and we're thankful, Heavenly Father, for all that you've done, and Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd hide us. I prayed this this morning, but I pray you'd hide us behind the cross, and God, I pray that people would not see a man, but I pray that they would see the Lord high and lifted up tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll bless our discussion and I pray that it'll make sense. I believe it will. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to have strong homes. God, our churches will only be as strong as the home is strong. Our nation will only be as strong as the home is strong. And so, Heavenly Father, do something in our homes tonight. Oh, yes. God, we want you to send revival in the churches we want you to do great things at Calvary. But, God, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that we're going to be limited in that if the homes are not right. And so, Father, strengthen our homes. Fill us with the Spirit of God. Help me to, to, to use my words wisely tonight. And I pray that they'll make sense, and I pray that they'll honor you. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, amen. Home sweet home. Home sweet home. Somebody said, somebody said the home is where the heart is. A lot lot of truth in that, isn't there? The home is where the heart is. I'm a homebody. The older I get, man, the more I like being home. I just, I love being home. I really do. There's just uh, something about being home. You don't have to uh, entertain Miss Tammy and I. We just like being home. I mean, uh, it's just a blessing to be there. Somebody said one of the sweetest things about vacation is coming home, (laughs) And there's a lot of truth in that as well. You know, we thank God for vacation, but man, there's just something about coming home. Uh, Home is where the heart is. And and I started the message out because I I really believe that God's heart is with the home. I do. I believe that God's heart is with the home. By the way, if you go back and, and start in the book of Genesis, you'll find out that God began by creating the home. To be quite honest with you, he made the house first. God made the garden. And then God created a man and a woman to go in the house that he created. And when he took that man and that woman and he put that man and woman in the house, guess what happened? God created the first home, the very first home. And so I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that God's heart is with the home. Some of you have heard, some of you Bible scholars out there, and some of you. Bible students out there, you've heard of something called the law of first mentions. The law of first mentions, which is a concept that just basically says that the the Bible's first mention of something is the simplest and clearest presentation. Isn't it interesting that when you begin to read your Bible, one of the very first things God mentions is the home. Long before we get to other things, God starts by mentioning the institution of the home. Here in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, we find here that David has an opportunity to bring the ark of God home. Well, we believe we have a perfect Bible. We believe that every word is where it's supposed to be. We we don't believe there's any accidents there. There's no uh uh-ohs there. We believe that God put every word there on purpose. and, And the Bible says here that David has an opportunity. And the Bible uses this word, He has the opportunity to bring the ark home. Now, the ark, for those who weren't in our service, last Sunday night, let me take just a moment and tell you a little bit about the ark. I'm not talking about Noah and the ark. I'm talking about the ark of God, the ark of the Lord, the, what's known as the ark of the covenant. Uh, and, and the reason that this ark is, is so important is because the ark of God was a symbol of the presence of the Lord. It was a symbol of the favor of God, a symbol of the blessings of God. Now, there wasn't anything necessarily spectacular about the ark. It was not that large. The ark of God was only about two and a half feet long, about a, about a foot and a half wide, and so it wasn't it wasn't extremely large. It was a, a, a fairly small. It would we would refer to it as a crate. Uh, And so it was sort of small as far as its dimensions were concerned. Uh, It had golden rings on each side made for uh, two seven-foot poles that would slide through the rings. And those poles were put there so the priests could could carry the ark. They could bear the ark uh, on their, their shoulders. If there was anything that was spectacular about the ark, it would be this. It was covered in solid gold. I mean, it was solid, solid gold. And the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was referred to as the mercy seat. We read a moment ago about those cherubims. And that mercy seat had two cherubims. They were facing one another, and their wings were outstretched over the mercy seat. And basically, they were the protectors of the mercy seat. Uh, And and so uh, it was where the blood, by the way, it was where the blood was sprinkled. It was that piece of furniture, the Ark of the Covenant. It was that piece of furniture over which the Shekinah glory hovered. Now, the glory hovered over the tabernacle, but the glory specifically hovered over the Holy of Holies. And the Shekinah glory specifically hovered over the Ark of the Covenant. Again, I just want you to understand that the Ark of the Covenant represented something very significant. It was not just a box. It was not just a crate. The Ark of the Covenant represented, it was a symbol of the very presence of the Lord. The thing that's so significant about our story that we read tonight in 1 Chronicles chapter 13 is that the presence of God was most definitely accessible to David. And yet David made a conscious choice not to bring it home. Now again, that just, you know, I read that this week and I thought, whoa. Man, that just really stood out to me. That that thing, that symbol, that thing that represented God's blessing, that thing that represented God's favor, that thing that represented God's power. David has the opportunity to have it home. And for some reason, David made the opportunity not to bring it home to himself. Look at 1 Chronicles 13, verse 13 again. Very sad words. The Bible says in verse 13, So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside. So I began to study this passage out a little bit. And I thought, Lord, what was it that that hindered the presence of God from going home with David? What, what was it that, that kept the Shekinah glory, the, the favor of God, the blessing of God? What was it, Lord, that, that kept, what, was there something in this passage? Is there, is there something in this passage that we can expound on that, that, actually, uh, that actually hindered the presence of God from going home with David? And, boys, I begin to study, sure enough, I found there are some things. And I want to share them quickly, four things I want to share quickly with you today. Number one, look at this. First of all, we notice shameful Delay, shameful delay. You want to know why the Israelites missed having the presence of God? Because of procrastination. I mean, there's nothing excessively deep about this story. The reason reason that they did not have the blessing of God in their home is just because they drugged their feet, they procrastinated. Now, you say, Pastor, what, what, what are you talking about? Well, look, if you will, back at your scripture tonight. 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1. The Bible says, And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you that it, that it, uh, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and Levites, which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. Look at verse three. The Bible says, and let us bring again the ark of our God to us. But I've got this last phrase underlined, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. You know what? Uh, think about this. The ark of God was, was, you say, preacher, where was the ark? Well, the ark of God was placed in a place called uh, Kurjath jerim Again, we touched on this a little bit last Sunday night, but let me just touch it real quickly if I could. And so the Philistines had captured the ark. They, they knew that the, that the ark of God represented great power. And, and so they thought, man, if we can capture this crate, if we can capture this box, we'll have great power and we'll be able to defeat our enemies. And so sure enough, the Philistines captured the ark of God, but uh, they didn't have it very long before they realized they didn't want it. And they wanted to give it back. And God plagued uh, the Philistines in a terrible, terrible way and they began to die in hemorrhage and I mean, it was just a, it was a horrible thing and so the Philistines had to, we don't want this thing anymore and so they brought it to the land of Beth Shemesh and the Bible says that those people in the land of Bethshemesh Shemesh, they were glad to get it uh, but they got familiar with it, and the Bible tells us that the people of Bethshemesh they made the mistake of of exploiting the Ark of God, and so they opened it up. They wanted to see what was inside, and so they opened up the Ark of God and looked down inside it. And the Bible says that God literally just struck them dead, killed thousands and thousands of the Beth Shemites. And so uh, the Philistines didn't want it. Now the Beth Shemesh don't want it, and so they 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 have it carried to a place called Kerzjash Jiram. Listen to this now. And the ark of God stays in Kurjath-Gerim for 20 long years. It stays there. You say, preacher, doesn't mean anything to me. Kurjath-Gerim. In Joshua chapter 15, it's known as Bala. In 2 Samuel chapter six, verse two, it's known, uh, known as Baal of Judah. In Joshua 15, verse 60, it's known as Kerjath Baal. You know what it is? It's, a, it's an old Canaanite high place. You know what Kerjath-Jerim was? It was a high place where they, did a, where they did idolatrous worship. And the ark of God, now, now, again, get this. That symbol that represents the presence of God, that symbol that represents the blessing of God, that symbol that represents the favor of God has been sitting in a Canaanite high place for 20 long years waiting for somebody to come and to get it, but they just drugged their feet for 20 years, and the blessing of God was not there. Do you know why, you know why the Lord is not in so many homes? It's not because you don't want to be there. It's because people are dragging their feet. Man, just continuing to procrastinate. Man, if I hear this one more time, preacher, one of these days, One of these days we're going to get saved. One of these days we're going to serve the Lord. One of these days we're going to rededicate our life. One of these days we're going to get in church. One of these days, one of these days, one of these days. Friend, do you know that's exactly what was going on here? You know why they didn't have the blessing of God? You know why they didn't have the presence of God? They knew where it was, but they never took the time to go down and get it. They just procrastinated and procrastinated and procrastinated. And this is what I'm saying. Do you know what we need at Calvary Baptist Church tonight? We need somebody in a home tonight who says, honey, we're not dragging our feet anymore. This is the day, this Sunday, we want God in our home. Uh, we're not going to think about it. We're not going to pray about it. We're not going to drag our feet. We're not going to do it next year. It's not going to be next year's New Year's resolution. We need the Lord right now. Yes, sir. And Calvary, I want to tell us, we do need the Lord right now. We don't have any time to wait. Sometimes young people will make that same mistake. They'll say, "Well, you know what, preacher, when I when I turn 20." Why do you have to wait till you're 20? Preacher, when I, you know, when I when I'm a coming adult, when I'm on his mom and dad, man, don't wait. Don't drag your feet. Go ahead and sell out now. Go ahead and serve the Lord now. You say, "Preacher, I'm 14 years old. Serve God at 14." You don't have to wait till you're 15 or 16 or 20 or 38. Hey, just go ahead and serve the Lord now. I want to say to this life, man, why did you wait so long? Get down there. Get that, listen, get that Ark of the Covenant. Get it where it's supposed to be. Procrastination. Procrastination. Somebody said people in life do not regret what they did, but what they did not. You know, the sad reality about this story is the Israelites, and get this now, the Israelites knew where the ark was. But they never made it central to their life. Man, oh man, am I preaching to anybody here tonight? You work with people like that. Oh, I love the Lord. I just, you know, you go to church? No, I don't go to church. You read your Bible? Don't read my Bible. You ever spend time in prayer? Don't spend any time in prayer. I mean, they know where the Lord is, but just continuously drag their feet, drag their feet, procrastinate, procrastinate. Why was it that the that the favor of God, the blessing of God wasn't in David's home? Number one, shameful delay. Hey, family, don't wait anymore. Don't wait any longer. Hey, married couple, just go ahead tonight and just decide, you know what? This is it, man. This is how we're gonna live. By the way, it is the best life to live. You heard that time and time and time again tonight from the choir. It's the best life to live. Hey, just go ahead and give up the booze and the drugs and uh, and all that stuff. And man, just sell out and live for the Lord. And I'm telling you, man, living for Jesus is the best life you'll ever live. The presence of God was not in David's home because of shameful delay. There's something else, number two. Not only shameful delay, but number two, sinful disobedience. Look back at your scripture again, First Chronicles chapter 13 and verse number seven. Again, I preached on this last Sunday night, so I'm not going to preach on this tonight, but I do want to touch it tonight. First Chronicles chapter 13 and verse number seven. The Bible says, and they carried, and they carried the ark of God in a new cart. Now, we learned something about that last Sunday night. Was that the way they were supposed to carry it? I mentioned those rings a while ago, those golden rings that were on the sides of the ark and, and those rings were made for seven foot poles and, and those poles were, were to be used by the priests, and the priests would bear the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. But the Bible tells us here that David and the people of God are, are bringing the ark back but they're not doing it like God said to do it. They're, they're not bearing it on the priest's shoulders. They are using a cart. But that's not according to God's word. In Calvary, listen, we cannot expect to receive the blessing of God on our home when we do things contrary to God's word. It's not going to happen. Listen to what John 15 verse7 says, "If ye abide in me and my words, abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you." Hearing is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. You know why the the favor of God wasn't in their life? Because of sinful disobedience. Man, just do it like God said to do it. Hey, married couples, just do it like God said to do it. Man, let's quit bucking. Let's quit rebelling. Hey, young person, just do it like God said to do it. Mom and dad, just do it like God said to do it. I know it's hard. I know it's not popular. I know you make it laughed at. I know people may point you out. I, I, I understand all that. They may not invite you to your parties. That's all right. Have your own party. Right. But just do it like God said. And until we do it like the Lord said, we cannot expect the presence of the Lord and the favor of the Lord. Shameful delay, sinful disobedience hindered the presence of God from being in David's home man I'm studying this out and I'm thinking wow not only shameful delay and sinful disobedience church hold on now number three look at this smoldering disapproval you say preacher why was it that I mean how did David miss it now church listen if you don't hear any other point hear me out on this one and after we get through with this one we're, we're, home, we're home free we're, we're about done why was it that David missed the presence of God? What was it that caused David, to, that, that hindered him from bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to home? What, what was it? It was not only shameful delay and sinful disobedience, but it was a smoldering disapproval. Listen, one of the main reasons that David did not have the presence of God, you know what it was? Bitterness. You say, where's that at, Pastor? Look back at your scripture again. First Chronicles 13, verse number 9. The Bible says, And when they came into the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen, the oxen stumbled, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before, the, before God. But look at verse 11. Verse 11, the Bible says, And David was displeased. Because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, wherefore that place is called Peres-Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, how shall I bring the ark of God home uh, to me? The truth of the matter is David missed the presence of God because David had a bitterness issue. That word displeased in 1 in Chronicles 13, verse 11, and David was displeased. It's more than just David was a little bit upset, David was a little bit aggravated. The word displeased there literally means, it literally means to blaze up of anger, to be hot, to be furious. You know what's going on? David's mad at God. God killed Uzzah because Uzzah reached out to steady the ark, and God... Killed him right there. And the Bible says because of that, David got mad. Got mad at the Lord. Furious. He got furious with God. Did you know that many a home is missing the blessing of God because of unresolved conflicts? People are either mad at God or they're angry at somebody else. Come on, church. Hang in there with me tonight. Amen. That People are either mad at God or they're angry at others and it is blocking the very presence of Almighty God in their home, in their marriage. You say, preacher, I don't like your kind of preaching. I'm telling you, I don't like your kind of living. I'm just telling you, bitterness is gonna kill you. You say, preacher, you don't, and that's what you don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you've gone through, what you've been through. I don't know how you've been mistreated. I don't know what's been done to you, but I'm telling you, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot allow bitterness to creep into your life. I'm telling you, it will rob you of the very presence of Almighty God. Amen. Hey, men. Will you say, Pastor, what should I do? Forgive. Yeah. You say, I know, but, but, but th- there's no buts. There's, there's no buts. Just forgive. Will you say, what if they don't apologize? Just forgive. Yeah. Let God take care of them. Yeah. Vengeance is mine. God said, I will repay, saith the Lord. Let God take care of that. Man, you just forgive and love the Lord and keep a sweet spirit, serve God. Yeah and uh, man, oh man, don't you get mad at God because something happened to you or somebody mistreated you or don't you get mad at others and, and uh, I'm just, I listen church and it don't have to be just somebody in the church. It might be somebody in your family. It might be somebody on the job. It might be somebody in your neighborhood. Oh, listen to me, we cannot. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you church. Are y'all listening to me tonight? I'm just telling you, you can't. I'm just telling you, you can't. You can't be bitter and experience the presence of God. Now, Rodney, you said it right. You can, or whoever said that, Brother Terry, whoever it was, you can live, but you won't live well. It's just not gonna happen. You're not gonna have a shout. You're not gonna have joy. You're not gonna have a smile. You're not gonna have a contentment and a fulfillment as long as that bitterness. Oh man, bitterness. Boy, I'm telling you, that root of bitterness springing up, it'll not only trouble you, it'll trouble others. Listen to this story. Years ago, there was a terrible outbreak of a disease in a tiny village in a remote part of Africa. Both children and adults were getting sick and overcome with nausea. Several weeks passed and the sickness became widespread. People started dying. So, word of the disease reached the main city in that area and experts were dispatched to try to figure out what was causing the problem. They soon discovered that the water was contaminated. The village got its water supply from a mountain stream that was fed from a spring. So the experts decided to track upstream and hopefully find the source of the pollution. They traveled for days and days and finally came to the mouth of the stream. But on the surface, they found absolutely nothing wrong. The water should have been absolutely crystal clear and clean. Puzzled, they decided to send some divers down to search as closely to the spring's opening as possible. What the divers discovered shocked the experts a large mother pig and her baby piglet somehow had fallen into the water and drowned and their corpses were wedged right at the opening of the spring. Now all that crystal clear, pure mountain spring water was being contaminated as it flowed past these decomposing remains of these dead pigs making many people sick and some even died. You say, Pastor, what's that got to do with anything? That's how bitterness works. Everything on the surface looks fine. But what people don't understand is underneath, they're being poisoned. And you know what's really sad? You know what's really sad? Others are being poisoned as well. And you don't realize it until before you know it. Man, you're so sick. You're so sick, your spiritual life is so sick, your joy's gone, you lost your shout. You wonder why you don't get anything out of your Bible. I'm preaching good tonight. You'll wonder why it feels like your prayers just sort of bounce off the ceiling and, and it, it feels like the heavens are brass and, and you say, preacher, I pray and pray, but it seems like God doesn't hear and God doesn't answer my prayer and, and I, I just, I, I don't know what's going on. I'll tell you what's going on. Bitterness will poison your life. Bitterness will poison your marriage. Bitterness will poison your family. Bitterness will poison your home. Yes, In Calvary Baptist Church, I'm gonna tell you something. We can't go another day with bitterness. If you're here tonight, listen, if you're here tonight and there's some kind of bitterness in your life, I'm telling you, you ought to get on this altar this evening. I mean, you ought to collapse on this altar this evening and just say, Lord, take it away. Lord, it's yours. I'm giving it to you. I'm forgiving. I'm going forward. I'm not hanging on to this anymore. Amen. I'm about to amen myself. I'm telling you, oh, listen to me, listen to me. You say, preach, I don't like your preaching. I'm telling you, maybe not. I might be a little peep-squeep preacher, but I'm telling you, if you listen to what I'm preaching tonight, some of you would see a miracle in your life. Yes, yes, sir. Right amen. Adrian Rogers said, bitter people are like a porcupine. They have a lot of good points, but they're very difficult to be around. He said bitter people are like an iceberg. Often off by themselves, most of their problem is hidden underneath. And bitter people are like a crybaby, always crying. It's always, always about them. Aren't you glad you came to church today? What kept, David, what, what, what kept you from having the presence of God in your home? They just drugged their feet. 20 years, that ark was right there for the taking. They knew where it was. Curb Jethyrim, they knew where it was. They knew exactly where it was. 20 years, they could have went down there and took it home. Shameful delay. Sinful disobedience. Smoldering disapproval. I'm done tonight. But look at this right here. We're done. Number four. Similar decisions. Similar decisions. What are you talking about, Pastor? Boy, look at this, Calvary. You know why David didn't have the presence of the Lord in his home? Because David made the same exact mistakes that others made before him. Man, I'm just reading this. I'm thinking, wow. Look at it. First Chronicles 13, verse 13. So David brought not the ark of God home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside. Watch the words. Watch the words here. But carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite, and the ark of God remained in the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Hey, wait a minute now. Years and years before this, the people of Beth Shemesh, they made the same exact mistake. Now, we're done this evening, but I want you to turn in your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 6, 1 Samuel chapter 6, and look at verse 19, 1 Samuel chapter 6, I'm done, but let's, but let's read this scripture and we'll, we'll let you go. First Samuel chapter 6, according to what I can tell, I preached about 30 minutes tonight. For Samuel chapter 6 verse 19 the Bible says and he smote verse 19 and he smote the men of Bethshemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord even, even he smote the people 50,000 and 3 score and 10 men and the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with great with a great slaughter and the men of, men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom shall he go up from us? Look at verse 21. And they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kershath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up to you. And the men, verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 1 And the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord, brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill, and sanctified Eleazar's son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim, that the time was long, for it was 20 years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Are you following my thought tonight? You know why David didn't have the presence of the Lord in his home? Because David made the exact same mistakes of those people before him. Rather than get get it right, you know what they did? They just pawned it off on somebody else. And David does the exact same thing. Uzzah touches the ark, God kills him, and David says, All right, we're not taking it home. Let's take it to Obed Edom's house. David makes the exact same mistakes of those before him. You can close your Bibles. But listen to a couple statements here. If you grew up a home, if you grew up in a home where there was little, very little presence of God, you're going to have to decide to go a different direction. Are you listening to me? If you're here tonight, you say, preacher, we never knew the presence of the Lord in our home. My dad was an alcoholic. My mom, you know, never had any regard for God. We never went to church. All I ever heard was cursing and blasphemy and fighting and fuming and, and pots and pans heating the walls and, and uh, daddy slamming the door and putting his hand through the drywall and, and mama uh, running out the door and getting in the car and driving off and being gone for a day or two and, and uh, that, that's, that's, all, that's all I ever knew. okay. But you you know what this is? You know why you're, look at me here tonight. It's preaching time. You know why you're at the Calvary Baptist Church? Because it is God giving you a second chance. I I, I get it. Dad was alcoholic. Mom was a drug addict. I get it. Problems and and issues and fussing and all those kind of things. And you say, preacher, that's all I ever knew. Okay, I get that. You know why you're here? Because this is God giving you a second chance Amen. to make things different for you and your family. Yes, hey, man! Yeah. But here's the thing. You're gonna have to go ahead and decide I'm not gonna make the same decisions they made. Right. Man, I'm telling you, I feel like just sitting down and letting that marinate for a little bit. Some of you daddies, You're irritated because your dad made such terrible decisions. Okay, then what you better do is you better get on this altar tonight and you better say, oh, dear God in heaven, help me not to make the same exact mistakes that daddy made. Don't be mad at your dad when you're saying the same curse words and you're drinking the same liquor and you're watching the same TV shows. I can't stand my dad. Why? You're doing just like him. How How can you expect to be different when you're doing exactly what they're doing? David, how can you expect to have the blessing of God when you're doing exactly what others before you did, the same mistakes that they made? Second statement is this. If you grew up in a home where God was present, you're gonna have to commit yourself to doing the exact same things. Again, I don't understand all this. Doesn't make any sense to me. God's God of grace. Not everybody can testify to this. I grew up with a Christian mom and dad. They loved the Lord. My mom and dad loved, uh, you know, my dad's still with us. Dad watched this morning. As soon as we got done, dad sent me a text. Mom's in heaven. Mom and dad are good Christian people. And you know what, Our in our home, when I was growing up, there was something different in our home. You say, how do you know? My friends told me. My friends would come over, my public school friends would come over to our house and they'd say, man, there's something different about your house. Something different. Y'all's music is different. I had friends tell me this, your mom and dad act like they really love each other. Man, I come over here and, I mean, it's just, y'all are happy. I hear people laughing. Y'all seem like y'all have a really close family. Man, I wish I had that. I wish I had that at my house. And so I, I, I understand here tonight, I had, I'm, I'm blessed. I had the presence of God in my home. So you know what I've decided to do? I'm going to do the same things my mom and dad did because I want the same presence of God in my house. What are you talking about, preacher? My parents prayed. My parents walked with the Lord. You've heard that. Again, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to land this airplane right now, but I really feel like God's doing something in somebody's heart right now. I can't tell you how many mornings I got up in the summertime. The house was quiet. Dad was going to work. My siblings were at work. I was still a young, young kid in the house and I'd get up in the summertime the house was quiet, 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 quiet as a church mouse and I'd wonder where everybody's at. I'd get up and I'd, I'd walk in the living room. My little mama, my little mama would be sitting there at the coffee table on the sofa. She'd have her J. Vernon McGee study Bible, daily bread, a cup of coffee. Mama would be spending time with the Lord and walking with God. I can't tell you the times when I, I shouldn't have done it, I, I should have knocked before I did, but the door would be cracked in mom and dad's bedroom at night. And I'd walk into the bedroom without knocking. I'd find my dad on his bed, uh, on his knees beside the bed, walking with God. I'd just back out quietly. We had the presence of the Lord in our home. You know what I've decided to do? I'm going to do that too. I had parents who, who faithfully attended church. I never had to ask. Mom, dad, are we going back tonight? I knew he was going. How many with me tonight? Yeah. I knew we were going. We, we never took a poll on Wednesday night. Are we, going, are we going to church tonight. <laughs> I knew we were going. You know why? Because we always went. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, work days, special events, revivals. Man, we went sometimes when nobody was there. And I've just decided, my wife and I, we've decided, you know what? We're gonna do the same. Not because I'm the pastor here, because I want God's presence in my home. My mom and dad gave thanks before every single meal when we would sit around the table. And we sat around the table, by the way. We didn't sit around the TV. We sat around the table. But before we ate, dad would always sit at the head of the table. And dad would either pray or he'd call on one of us to pray. And, And we always gave thanks before every single meal. So, you know what I've decided to do? We're going to give thanks before every single meal. My mom and dad faithfully tithed. Dad tells me stories, examples of how God miraculously met their needs. And God says, Son, we always gave to the Lord. And I've heard my dad say it so many times You'll never outgive God. You'll never outgive God. You'll never outgive God. So, you know what we've decided to do, Ms. Tammy and I? We've decided to tithe. My parents faithfully served the Lord. So, you know what we've decided to do? We've decided to faithfully serve the Lord. Why, preacher? I'll tell you why. I want the ark in my home. I want God's presence, the same presence that my mom and dad had. I want that presence in our home. Here's a question How about you? You want the ark in your home? You want that blessing, that favor. You want to be underneath the spout where the glory comes out. Then there's some things you're going to have to do. Will you bow your heads with me tonight, Father? Thank you for your blessings. What a joy to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And Father, thank you for this series on the home. I believe it's going to help us. Oh God, I pray that you'd give us some families and maybe some young families tonight who'll say, you know what, honey, we're not dragging our feet anymore. This is it. We're living for God. This is it. We're selling out. There's no time to waste. We're dedicating our life, our home, our kids. We're dedicating our marriage. We're dedicating everything we have to the Lord. Father, I pray tonight that you'd help us to to settle for nothing less than the presence of the Lord in our home. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Why don't we stand all over the house? Some are already making their way to the altars. Some are making your way to the altars. Maybe there's others that ought to just slip out right now. Just come on, folks are coming, folks are coming. Don't you worry about them, you worry about you. All right? Don't you worry about anybody else. You worry about yourself. Anybody need to come tonight and just get on the altar and say, God, we want the ark in our home. Lord, we want your favor. We want your blessing. God, we want your presence. We want your presence. In everything we do, we want your presence. Oh, God. That's right, folks are coming. Anybody else? Anybody else? Folks are continuing to come. Now if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I need to be saved. That's great. Why don't you just slip out right now? Just slip out right now. And we'll meet you here in the altar. And we'd love to take a Bible and show you how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. And so if you need to be saved, that's fine. Just come on right now, okay? And we want to try to be a help to you. Pastor, I'm going to do that one of these days. I'm going to do it. No, listen, don't wait. Don't delay. Man, don't let, the, don't let the ark stay in Kurds at for the next 20 years. Man, go for it. Go for it. God, we got to have you. We've got to have you. Father, we love you. I'm just thankful, Lord, for the way you meet with us. Thank you for the powerful word of God. Lord, thank you for all these that are in the altars tonight. Heavenly Father, you know uh, what's being done right now. And I pray, Spirit of God, that you would seal every decision that's in this altar. God, I pray that our homes, I pray that our homes would be so full of the presence of the Lord. God, that when people come over to our homes, I pray that they'll feel something different. There's something different about those folks. Oh, God, I pray you'll do it. Help us not to be satisfied without the presence of the Lord. God, deal with our hearts concerning bitterness. Lord, help us to be forgiving people. Oh, God, I pray you do it. God, fill our hearts with love. Fill our hearts with forgiveness. And God, help us to, to go forward and to serve Christ and to make a difference for the kingdom. Lord, continue to bless in the invitation, please. Heads are bowed. Quite a few still on the altars. Anybody else? You can look up this way tonight. We're going to sing this little chorus that says, Jesus is the sweetest name. Brandon, if you'll go ahead and start making your way up. Let's sing it together, church. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his lovely name. And that's the reason why I love him so. Oh, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Oh, you sound good. Let's sing it one more time. Sing it, church. Here we go. Ready? And Jesus is the sweetest name. I know and he's just the same as his lovely name and that's the reason why I love him so The sweetest name I know.